title of this morning's message is Total Access. Total Access. You know, when you think of access with people or places, there could be uh, no access, right? Limited access, or total access. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be taking a look at several verses or several passages of Scripture in Ephesians, so keep your Bible open there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 17, And came and preached peace to you which were afar off. Have you ever felt far off from Christ? Far off from Christ. He said, He came and preached peace, which were far off to them that were, uh, and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Talking about Jew and Gentile alike, both can have access to God through Jesus Christ and through His Spirit. Now, there's a lot of folks that I don't have uh, access to, right? There's a lot of places I don't have access to. Um, for instance, I don't have access to, mo- to NFL locker rooms, although I've never tried. I'm sure I would not be uh, permitted. Uh, I'm sure that if I went to the White House, there would be uh, limited access for me there. But wouldn't it be great if we knew that we had access to God? And who better to know? Who better to have access to? How about about to know that you have access to heaven? You know what I believe? I believe this with all my heart. That you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you you die. I mean, that's simple. But you know that, that that's good news. That's good news to know that because of Jesus Christ and because of salvation... And because of His free gift uh, that He gave to us, that we can have access to heaven. That we can have access to God. And, a- and, and total access at that. You know, when, when you talk about uh, access, you have to have credentials, right? You have to have credentials. Credentials are, are qualifications or papers and documents such as a passport, passport, uh, for instance, an ambassador, if they had credentials, it would be uh, signed by a head of state or a journalist, would be a press pass, or a law enforcement officer would have a badge. You and I, uh, those that have been born again in Christ Jesus, we have access to God through Christ Jesus, and our credentials is His Spirit. The Bible says that when when an individual is born again and receives Christ, that the Spirit of God indwells that individual. Now our body becomes the temple of God. Simple question this morning. Do you have His Spirit in you? Let me say this. You wouldn't and not know it. God does not move inside of an individual and you not know for sure that His Spirit's in you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 tells us, the verse that we just read, that we have access to God 
by one Spirit, the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit that is one with God. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, the Bible says this, And because ye are sons, God has set forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know, when you accept Christ, God sends His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, into your hearts. You know, we don't walk with the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit in us. That's, that comes through that new birth. He says that He sends His Spirit, the Spirit of the Son, into our hearts. And it cries to the Father, Abba, Father. It recognizes the Father. It's one with the Father. The Spirit is one with the Father. And if it's in us, we know it. He says, whereby thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. This, because of God's Spirit, because of His Spirit in us, this gives us total access to God. Total access to God through Christ Jesus. You know, this will give us boldness. When you have the right credentials, you have boldness. Is that right? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12 that according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness, verse 12, and access with confidence by the faith of Him. You see that? Once we've, had, once we've believed on Christ, now He gives us boldness that we have access to God, that we have fellowship with God, that we, that we become in Christ and Christ in us. You know, as a believer, as a child of God, you know what we can have? We can have confidence. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in Him that saved us and confidence in Him that redeemed us, that He's able to do what He said He's going to do and that He will do in us what He said ultimately He would do in us. Isn't that, you know, He said that He, once, once we've been sealed by His Spirit until the day of redemption, He's going he's gonna to perform in us the work that He wants completed. And ultimately, you and I being made in the image of Christ. What confidence that gives us. You know, the Bible has a, a couple commands concerning the Spirit. Uh, one is grieve not the Spirit of God. But the other one in the New Testament is walk in the Spirit. This is a command. Let me ask you another just simple question. This week, believer, this week, child of God, were you walking in the Spirit? There's really two choices. And you and I know this. We can walk in the Spirit or we can walk in the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the desires of our own, our own natural base instincts. Or we can choose to walk after the Spirit, the Spirit of God that empowers us to live the Christian life. We can choose to walk that path with Him. The Spirit gives us unlimited access to Christ, total access to Christ, through His Spirit, the free gift of salvation. I want to be clear on this one simple point here, that we believe that salvation is by grace, through faith, 
alone. That there's no good works that we can do in our flesh and in our body to inherit salvation. There's no good works that you and I can do in in and of ourselves to uh, receive salvation. Salvation to be born of a supernatural, uh, uh, incorruptible seed that comes from God is absolutely and totally grace. It is grace, grace, grace. The grace of God to you and I. Nothing that we could deserve. Nothing that we could glory in ourselves about. It is absolute grace. Let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. When I said, does the Spirit live inside of you? If you say, I don't know, then today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to receive the grace of God. You say, what do I have to do? Just by faith, believe what God said about Himself. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That He, Jesus Christ, He came, God. God, manifest in the flesh. God, in the flesh. Jesus Christ was God. And He came born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And He died upon the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He paid the eternal payment with His blood being shed for our sins. And then He was buried and He rose again in His own power, defeating death, defeating sin. And today He is making intercession for those that believe, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But after you've received that, after you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, by being obedient to the Gospel, by accepting it and confessing our sins, by receiving that, you know what? Now we have a choice to follow after the Spirit or not. We have a choice to walk after the Spirit. If we're following the Spirit, we're not giving in to our fleshly desires and grieving the Spirit. Let me just say this. This is obedience. Would you agree with me that we, as, as, as children of God, must be obedient to God? Would, should, shouldn't we be obedient to the, the Spirit of God that's inside of us by walking after Him? Isn't it possible for us in our flesh to go against God, to be contrary to God, to do things in our body and in our flesh that grieves that Spirit of God? Can you imagine the places that we go and the things that we do with our body that if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, God's with you? There's just some things about God and His holiness. Boy, those things just grieve Him. He says, boy, I don't like this. I don't like being here. I don't like doing this. I don't like participating in this. Would you agree with that? That as, as children of God, that we have to be obedient. Obedience. You know what I found out about us as human as humans and our human nature, sometimes we can be rebellious, can't we? Sometimes we can just want to do things the own way. God tells us to do something, we'll just, just like a child does a parent, touch their shoulders, you know, and they stiffen up. It happens all, we're like that. Don't, don't try. We just want to do things our own way sometimes. But you know what? That comes with a cost. Trying to do things our own way comes with a cost. And the cost sometimes is more than we want to pay. Would you agree with that? Sin, sin has a cost. How about this story? This is an example that we all know. Adam and Eve. 
God created them. They were they 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 were in innocence. They hadn't sinned. They lived in a perfect environment. For instance, for folks that say that man does not have a deprived nature, that if their environment is good enough, that they'll be good enough, show them, show them Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment, an absolute perfect environment. They walked with God Himself in the cool of the day, and they still fell to temptation. We know the story that they had fellowship with God, right? And fellowship with God. Everything was perfect there in the garden. And then Satan came along and he tempted them. He tempted Eve and he tempted, and Adam was tempted. And you know what they did? They disobeyed. Did they not? It was blatant. It was obvious. There's no uh, psychoanalyzing it. They just simply knew what God said and they went against it. That's it. When you know, the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's, a, that's simple. He said, don't do it. And they, they were tempted. Satan brought them in. And he made it sound good. You know, it's going to make you wise. It's going it's to fulfill all the desires that God's been holding back from you. He was lying to them. He was lying to them. Was he not? Was he not? When they were, when they were banished from the garden... Can you imagine the pain of having to leave that perfect home and that perfect environment? You know what they said? Boy, sin has a price. As they walked out of the garden, they said, sin has a price. When the first two, two boys born of a woman fought and one became a murderer and they buried the other one, you know what they said? Boy, sin has a price. What a terrible price. You know, it's fun at first, but you know what happens over a long point of time? We begin to say, it's way too much for me to bear. I just wish I would have been obedient to God. Not that God's trying to put us under some sort of bondage. His laws are there to set us free. Don't we know that? His laws are there to give us liberty and freedom. Their fellowship ultimately was broken. We know the story that God came looking for Adam and Eve, right? In the garden, you know what the Bible says? That they hid themselves. They hid themselves. You know why they hid themselves? Because of guilt. Because of guilt. You know why sometimes we hide ourselves from God? You know why sometimes the fellowship that we have with God is broken? It's not as sweet as we wish it was or once was. It's because of sin. Let me say this. If your fellowship with God has been broken, it's not God's fault. He created us for fellowship. He wants fellowship with us. You know what we have to do? We have to be obedient to the Lord and He has made it possible for us to have our sins forgiven, to, have, to be cleansed from this. You're open to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. You know, sin is a destroyer. As believers, we should choose not to live with it. Now, we all sin, and we all do sin. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that you're, you're sinless. I'm just saying you need to choose not to put up with sin in your life, long periods of time, to live with it, and allow it to put you in bondage, and allow sin to destroy you, and allow sin to control you. Would you agree with that? 
Uh, you need to kick sin out. Sin's a bad roommate. Just tell it to hit the road. Confess it, forsake it. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that confesseth his sin, uh, he that, excuse me, Proverbs 28, 13, says he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Don't you want mercy? Don't we all want mercy? Don't we all need mercy? We need mercy, don't we? Don't cover for your sin. Expose it to the light and say, God, this is who I am. This is what it is. Help me. Forgive me for it. Help me forsake it. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, This I say therefore, testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the uh, life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You know what can happen uh, over prolonged uh, sin in our lives? Our heart becomes darkened. And we can't even see the truth. He says in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to the lasciviousness to work all on cleanness with greediness. You know what he says? They're past feeling. You know what happens when we first uh, sin against God, especially when the Holy Spirit is inside of us? When the Holy Spirit's inside of us and we sin, you know what the Holy Spirit, He makes us aware of it, doesn't He? He makes us aware of it, doesn't He? Hey, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside, He can't make you aware of it. But if you do, you know it. When you cross God, when you have hatred, bitterness, lying, all that sort of stuff in your heart toward God, when that Holy Spirit says, that ain't right, that's not right, you know what happens? That's your conscience. That's the Spirit. But you know, if you keep grieving the Spirit and crying, trying to quench the Spirit, you know what happens? You can get past feeling. But before long, we start covering for our sin and covering for our sin and covering for our sin to where now our sin that we live in doesn't even make us feel bad. It's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. Wouldn't you agree? We want to have a tender heart toward God, not a heart that's hardened, hardened toward God. We want a tender heart so when that Holy Spirit touches it, we say... Lord, mercy, forgive me. Quick to repent. Quick to, to ask for forgiveness. That's a set tender heart, the right heart toward God. He says, uh, look at verse 22 of chapter 4. And ye put off concerning the former conversation or the former way of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I like how he calls it deceitful lust. You know the lusts that are hurtful and harmful for us? They look good, but they're deceitful. Right? He says, put those things off. Put off the old man. You know, there's some things to put off. Put off the old man. Put off that old man that is trying to bring us down. And then he says this. It's not, but, but look. In our Christian life, in our Christian walk, it's not enough to put it off. It's not enough to say no, no, no. You know what we have to do? We have to fill those voids and those temptations with the right things. So we have to put some things on. You put some stuff off and then your life's empty. No, no, no. You put those things off and quickly pick up new things. Those are the right desires and those right things that are helpful. He says, and put on. See this? Verse 24. He says, and put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, 
For ye are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. You know what happens when we live in sin that's unconfessed and we cover for it? We're giving place to the devil in our lives. What a dangerous thing. You agree with that? That you, you, allow, you give place to the devil in your life through sin. You know what he's going to do? The Bible says the, the, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. There can't be anything good come from that. Can there? He says, let him that steals, steal no more. Verse 28. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Amen to that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. As we put off the old man, and put on the new man, and put away some of these sinful things in our lives. You know what that, those sinful things do? They grieve the Spirit. They grieve the Spirit that's in us. He's not happy with those things. The, 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 simple, the simple solution though, it's not hard. If we're here in, 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 in church this morning and the Holy Spirit inside of you has been bringing up sins in your life, things that uh, uh, you know that you've been living with, and you say, I'm choosing not to live with that anymore. Well, let me just say this. God is long-suffering. He's merciful and full of grace. And to have that re- relationship restored with God, and that fellowship restored with God, is, uh, uh, is easy. First John 1 John 1.9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what God wants from us? He wants us to confess it. He wants us to humble ourselves before God. Humble ourselves in true confession. Ask God to forgive us. But I've asked God for forgiveness for this specific sin time and time again. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep keep naming it for what it is. It's sin in your life. Keep naming it as sin. Keep asking for forgiveness. And I believe if you continue to name it as what it is, God will deliver you from it. I believe it. I believe it. I wouldn't be standing here preaching it if I didn't. If I didn't think that we could live a victorious Christian life, if I didn't think that we could, have, through the Spirit and the power of God, live a victorious Christian life, what we're, you know, we've got God's Spirit, all power in us. He can help us deliver us from these things. But you know what we have to do? We have to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before God. You know what we have such a hard time doing? Humbling ourselves. We, we care so much about what everybody else thinks. And we'll allow what other people think to get between us and our relationship with God, and that's just crazy. Amen? It's not tricky. You know what, you know what, right now in your life, if your fellowship is broken with God, you know what it is that's doing it. I don't have to sit here and list a, uh, a list of sins. You know. Spirit tells you. Just, just get it right. This Spirit of God through Jesus Christ gives us great access to God in prayer. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50 and 51, the Bible says, Jesus, when He cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, at that very moment when Christ 
yielded up his ghost, when, when Christ, when Christ uh, allowed himself to die, at that very moment, the Bible says in verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. You know what happened the moment that Jesus Christ died? That veil was rent that separated man from God. There was a time, there was a time in the Old Testament when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and represent uh, the nation of Israel, the people for God, and he would go in there and talk to God for them. But you know what God did after Jesus Christ died? We have a new high priest. We have a new mediator to God, and that is Jesus Christ. He is our high priest now. And you and I can go before the throne room of God because that veil was rent. We can go uh, to the high priest and God ourselves now. That's what I'm saying. God's not far away from us. He's not far away. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You know what? When we read that verse, that probably doesn't just affect us all that much. But when Paul wrote that, to the, the, the Hebrews at the time, that, that, that was unheard of. That anybody and everyone could walk boldly into the Holy of Holies. You know what would happen if someone walked into the Holy of Holies? They'd be struck dead. If they weren't the high priest, completely cleansed and completely clean. And Paul said, but now you can walk boldly in there. Like, just walk in and say, hey, Dad, hey, God, I want to talk to you anytime, any place. Have fellowship with Him. What a privilege when we have in prayer. What a privilege. I know we talk about that a lot here, but it is a privilege. We can speak directly to God. I hope all of us, I hope all of us understand the importance of that, the, 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 just how amazing that is that we can have fellowship with God and talk to Him in prayer and He hears us. Continue reading in verse 10 or verse 20 of chapter 10 in Hebrews. He says, by a new and living way. Talking about how we can walk boldly into the Holy Holies by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through His flesh. Jesus Christ's blood being shed, He tore that veil and made it possible for us to have direct and total access to God the Father. What a privilege. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, Go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. You're open to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. The Bible says, Now to Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know what He just said? Hey, we're praying to Jesus Christ who's able to do exceedingly above what we ask or what we even think according to the power that worketh in us. What's the power that works in us? The Holy Spirit, right? He says, Unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know what I think a powerful church is? I think a powerful church is a praying church. A powerful church is a praying church. Asking God to work. Asking God to move. Asking God to do those things. I think a powerful church is a confessing church. One that's humble before God. Quick to confess our sins. A tender heart and a soft heart toward God. 
A powerful church is a church that pleases God. It's a church where the people of the church are drawing close to God. And as a result of of pleasing God and drawing close to God, other people are coming to know Christ. Fulfilling that great commission. Those things can't be done if we're not a church that's a praying church and a church that's a confessing church. You know what? Jesus Christ is made possible through the Spirit for our access to Christ through prayer. He's made uh, Christ and through the Spirit has made access for us to worship God. You know we need that. You know we were created to worship. It's good for us to worship. It's wonderful for us to worship. And not only is it good for us to worship, but it pleases God. It pleases God when we choose to worship Him. When we lift up His name and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I think of worship, worship, I think of a time that we're still before God. In a spirit of humility. When we are worshiping God, we are humble, right? We have to be. You can't worship and be proud, can you? Because worship's not about us, is it? Worship's about Him. Worship's about God of being God in Christ, the name above every name. Worship's about lifting Him up and, and putting Him in His rightful place. That's what worship is. In a spirit of humility, in a spirit of surrender, giving our lives to Him. and That's worship. You know, to worship God, the Bible says, I beseech you there, Paul says in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. You know what that is? That's surrendering yourself, offering yourself completely dependent on Him. That's a living sacrifice. You know in the Old Testament, people sacrificed to God animals, and you know what that was? That was a form of worship. You know how we worship God? We offer ourselves up. Lord, I'm yours. I surrender myself to you. I'm dependent on you. Can you imagine starting the day that way every day? Just distilling ourselves before God and offering ourselves up in worship to God until we feel Him close to us. You know what's wonderful about worship? You can feel God. You start praising His name. You start lifting Him up. The Spirit likes that, right? The Spirit inside just likes it when, when Jesus Christ is getting the glory, when God's getting the glory. You can feel it. Boy, that empowers you for your day. You talk about the, the wind in your sails. Starting the day, just complete surrender and worship to God. You know, we have access to God to worship Him through the Spirit, through Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? What a privilege. What an amazing privilege. You know what I think is one of the greatest privileges that you and I have here on this earth is that we can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with God. We were created for fellowship. Adam and Eve were created for fellowship, but the fellowship was broken by sin. By disobedience. But you and I, our fellowship can be reconciled to God through salvation first. Right? And then through walking after that Spirit and following after the Spirit of God. What an amazing privilege to fellowship with God. You know, when you're fellowshipping with someone, you're friends with someone, isn't it good when you guys have the same desires? When you guys have the same joys or some things somewhat in common? Makes it, makes it easy for a good friendship, right? Good relationship. Isn't it amazing that you and I as human beings that had all the wrong desires and all the wrong nature 
through being born again, through the right nature, through the nature of God, that now you and I can start to desire the things that God desires? That you and I can start having joy in the things that God enjoys? I'll tell you what. Jesus, the Bible says that, let me say it this way. What, what do you find joy in? If you find joy in the things of this world, which is easy to do because our nature is drawn to that, uh, but you can't find joy in spiritual things, something's out of balance. That relationship, that fellowship with God must be broken. I mean, to, to find out the things that God's doing, the things that, hey, to find out that a church is being built in the Congo ought to bring some joy to our heart. You know why? It brings joy to the Lord's heart. The Bible says that he gave himself for the church in Ephesians. He gave himself for it. So he loves it. And so just to be able to see spiritual things happening, and when we begin to have the same desire as God, when we begin to have the same joy that the Lord has, we begin to have fellowship. The Bible says that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we can have fellowship one with another. You know what we can't do? We can't fellowship with God walking in darkness, can we? God don't walk in darkness. There is no darkness in Him at all. He is light. And whenever there's light, there's no darkness. Light is stronger than darkness. And we walk in darkness, we're not in fellowship with God. We have to walk in the light as He is in the light to have that fellowship with Him. But isn't it a privilege that we can... And isn't it wonderful? Isn't, isn't it, there's, not a better, there's not a better feeling, not a better place to be than in fellowship with God. Not a better way to find our purpose. And the Bible says this, can two walk together except they be agreed? You know what I found every now and again? That I have to agree with God. I have to agree with God. You know why? Because He's always right. And sometimes I have to agree with God, I have to agree with the Word, even against myself. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what I have to do? I have to agree with God. I'm a sinner. Amen. I have to. I, sometimes I say, God, you're right. I mean, I, the, the Bible's the truth, no matter if we like it or not. And we have to agree with God in order to have that fellowship with Him. Agree with the truth. John 1, 1 John 1, 3 says this, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, fellowship of the believers. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Wow, what a fellowship. You know, when we call a church a church, uh, a church is really a fellowship, right? And, and what is a fellowship? Or what do we fellowship around? We fellowship around the name of Jesus Christ, right? And what a good fellowship. I mean, really, the fellowship can be good if we, if we keep the fellowship about that about Jesus Christ and about God the Father and about what He's done and what He's doing. That's a good fellowship. Boy, when it starts to become about us and about our ways and our purposes and our plans, things just seem to start to fall apart. The Spirit gives us access to fellowship with Christ. You know what the Spirit also gives us access to? The Word of God. The Word of God. You know what? I'm going to say this. This Bible... It's probably the most precious thing. It's not probably. The Bible is the most precious thing that you and I can hold in our hands here on earth. I hope we all love it. I hope we all love it. 
Hope we're all dependent upon it. Hope we're all seeking it as if it's our map, our compass to life. The Bible tells us that the Spirit's going to guide us into all truth. That He's going to send the Comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And He's going to teach us the the Scripture. He's going to teach us the Word of God. You know why sometimes uh, folks have a hard time understanding the Bible? It's because it's a spiritual book. It's a spiritual book. and 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 it's learned through the Spirit inside of us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 13 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. You can't teach the Bible with secular wisdom. He said, uh, But which the Holy Ghost teaches. Who's the author of the Scripture? Do we believe that the Bible is inspired, inspired by God? And, and in 1 Peter it says that, that uh, the Holy Spirit moved upon these men and they wrote it, right? So we believe the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. Who better to teach you what the Bible means and what the Bible's saying than the author himself? He says in 1 Corinthians 2.13, Which things speak, uh, we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man, that person who's not been born again, they don't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can they know them, for they're spiritually discerned. The Bible, the Bible is taught to us through the Holy Spirit. You know, when we read the Bible, and I'm hoping we're all reading the Bible, when we read the Bible, I, I think it's a good idea for us to say, Lord, uh, teach me, give me something today. Lead me into truth today. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to open up, illuminate the Bible to us, open our eyes up to see the, the light. <laughs> in Ephesians, you're in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17. The Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Boy, you start picking, you pick up Revelation, try and read that without the Holy Spirit. Wow. You can't get it, can you? He says, uh, and, and the knowledge of Him. In the knowledge of who? Christ. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That we may know what is the hope of His calling. And the riches of His glory. Of His inheritance in the saints. And which is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. According to the working of His power. God blesses us through the scripture. He reveals Himself to us through the scripture. If we're going to have a relationship and a fellowship with Christ and with God, we've got to get to know Him. And you know how He's going to reveal Himself to us? Many times it's going to be through the Scripture. You want to get to know God? Get in the Scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach us about Him. Show us who He is. Seek Him. Seek Him in the Scripture. In closing... Simple question. Do you have the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit? Have you been born again? Have you received God's Spirit inside of you? 
as he lived there. If not, today's the day. Humble yourself before God and ask him to save you. He will. <laughs> He's faithful and just. He will do it. He'll save us. There's nothing better on earth. There's not a greater decision that a person can make than to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. If you don't have the Spirit living inside of you, surrender to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ today and be born again. Christian, follower of Christ, believer, have we been walking in the Spirit? Have we been walking in the light or have we been walking in darkness? Hey, have you been disobedient? Have we been rebellious? Is there areas in our lives that we haven't surrendered to God that we know that He's, he's tugging in our heart to do? Why don't, you, why don't you pray this morning and confess that sin? Why don't you uh, swallow that pride? Why don't you swallow the pride and humble yourselves before God?